This is the Extravagant Promises Podcast, and I'm your host, Gregory. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. This is a podcast about reckoning, recovery, and redemption. We share our experience, strength, and hope. Tonight is episode 33, Accused. Before I begin, I would like to remind my listeners that, number one, this is not an AA meeting. It is a part of my AA recovery program and my working of the steps and my 12th step of returning the light to the community. I hope this can serve as that lighthouse out there. If you're in a ship on the stormy seas, if you're in an airport in, a, in, a, in an empty terminal and, and you just all you hear are the clink of glasses in the bar, you just need somebody to listen to. You just need somebody to talk to in your head. That's what I want this podcast to be. Maybe you're on a winding long road driving and you just need you need some recovery magic in your in your not that I'm magic, but you need just you need some you need some recovery juice. This is it. Number two, I'm not a mental health professional. And I do encourage everyone to have mental health as part of their recovery program. I heard recently in the rooms that You know, therapists don't know anything about recovery and addiction and all this, and they're lousy at it. And I just was, you know, obviously I had kept my mouth shut. I'm not there to give crosstalk. That's one of the things I love about the program. It makes me shut my mouth um, and listen. And, um, but I was just like, in my mind, I was thinking you couldn't be further wrong. I mean, I, I have a therapist who's been with me through my entire program of sobriety and she saved my life and I love her as a professional as someone who I think is just fantastic and I don't know what I would do without her so you know I I don't I don't really I don't have an experience it's it's like to me it's like being a fighter you know I I don't know what it would be like to go into a fight without a corner man every time I've had a jiu-jitsu you know, competition or a fight, you know, like there's been someone in my corner. So I don't know what it would be like to not have AA or not have therapy. So I encourage everybody to have some sort of mental health counseling in their program if they can, you know. Um, Not all of us can, obviously, and uh, we got to do what we can to get that. Number three, anonymity. Please protect mine. I will protect yours. If you need to reach out to me, um, Gregory B, the letter B, G-R-E-G-O-R-Y-B, at extravagantpromisespodcast.com, or on the interwebs, Instagramage, um, there is uh, Extravagant Promises Podcast, uh, at Extravagant Promises Podcast, excuse me. You can DM me there. I will always respect and protect your anonymity. Number four, this is free. This will always be free. This will never be a charge. There may be just one listener. A lot of times I love putting the post on my IG account that says zero listens so far because <laughs> it's, uh, it's my humility. Like, okay, the, usually there are a few. 
So it's cool, but but it's like I, I put zero just because it's like, hey, no one's listening to you. But um, that's cool. I would love it if my listeners would just ask one person to listen to it. Let's be honest. My ego would love it. Um, but this is my service. You know, if no one wants it, if no one listens, if I'm not doing a good job of getting the message out, then that's on me. Um, anyway, I love you. And I really appreciate everybody who supports this in terms of giving me feedback and gives me just, you know, I see the listens or the applause on Anchor or iTunes or whatever, you know, I don't need reviews. I don't care. Um, I'm doing this to help me stay sober and hopefully help you stay sober too. So on with the show. Tonight is episode 33, Accused. Dateline, 1992. Have you ever been accused of having a drinking problem? Have you ever been accused of having a mental health problem? And so on. And to the best of my recollection, so read the Virginia State Bar or Virginia Board of Law Examiners. I don't recall what their fancy title was, but that's what this massive application said at that era and in that time. And for those of you who are professionals, you know what this is like. Uh, I'm sure engineers, architects, doctors, and lawyers all understand that the, the law, certainly in the legal profession, the taking, admin, ad, passing, and, and, and admission to the state bar is a onerous, treacherous process. And it is one that has been infused with legend and myth and importance for centuries. And I have my opinions about it. I have my opinions about judging someone who spent seven, minimum seven years of their life post high school preparing for a career in a profession, uh, being countless examinations, having to pass all of them and do well at all of them and take standardized tests. I mean, let's face it, take standardized tests in some instances to get into high school, take standardized tests in some instances, to, or in all instances, to get into college, take standardized tests to get into law school, take exams in law school in which you sit down at the end of 14 weeks of studying, you sit down, no books, no nothing, just your pencil or your whatever and your blue book in my era. I'm sure it's typed out on a computer now, but... You sit down and you are given four hours and you have an exam that is 
incredibly mind-blowingly difficult and that's your grade. Imagine if you were a painter and you worked for 14 or, or an artist or a author or a contractor or something. You worked for 14 weeks on something to prepare for, for doing, to learn and, and, and how to do this. And then you walk into a room and they hand you someone else's tools and they say, do this in four hours. And this is how we're going to judge whether you know what you're doing or not. I mean, it's, it's that, I don't know if other countries do it or not. It's, it's that American sort of game theory, wild west, you know, it's like our Olympic trials, you know, we, we want to put you in the Olympics. And so you're going to perform on this particular day. And there's probably some merit to that in the Olympics because you're mimicking the Olympic setting and you're saying, can you do it well on this day? But think about it. You know, remember when I was young, there was that Dan and Dan, those guys that were, tri uh, they were decathletes. And the, the guy who was the world's best didn't make it to the Olympics because he, he had a lousy day on the Olympic trials. And, you know, he ultimately won, I think, a gold medal uh, the following time. But it's just, it's like, okay, so did we really send the best guy? You know, uh, we sent the, the guy who was the best on that particular day. But anyway, so... Again, I said I was going to ramble. Um, the so the bar in order, but people people focus on the bar exam, which is incredibly hard. And again, you you study, you finish three years of law school, and and let's just say thirty exams, maybe um, that you take if you're at a competitive, you know, Socratic law school. You know, maybe give or take, maybe twenty, maybe thirty that are hard, and you're up against the best and the brightest in the country. I mean, some might wonder about the best and probably good reason to question the brightest. But, um, you know, where I went to law school was incredibly competitive. And I thought I was smart. And I realized that I was a mental midget among giants. You know, I was a sapling among redwoods. And I did very well, but the point being that I did pretty well. I didn't do, I wasn't like top of the, of the heap or anything like that. But the point being, you finish all that and then, you know, the day you graduate from law school, you're not a lawyer. You're not, you're not, you're not, I mean, I don't know what you are when you have a law degree, but no law license. Um, you're, you're somebody that has a, a piece of paper that says, thank you for spending several hundred thousand dollars to get here and for doing really well for most of your life in school. And um, now you get to spend the next three months, you know, give or take, you know, two months, studying 10, 12 hours a day for this exam. But before we put you through that crucible, you have to fill out this application. And this application says, it is, and, and that application is, is daunting. It is a, I don't even remember how thick it was. It was at least an inch thick back in the day of paper, back in the day of like, you know, handwriting and signing and typing and all. You had to get professional typists to do it. You had to have, you had to get to a law enforcement agency and have fingerprints taken. You had to have background checks. You had to be, 
interviewed by, um, you know, when I took the bar, I remember in Virginia, um, I had some individuals who knew me and my family from a particular town who verified and vouched for my character and the judge who had to sign it said that wasn't good enough because they weren't from his town. And so I was ordered to appear in a conference room in the middle of the spring to, you know, get some local boys who were all cool and they were good. They knew me too. And that's fine. But my point being, you know, it's like this, you know, part of it, part of it, a, a huge part of it is like, it's like hazing and it's like a rite of passage. Well, we all did this and we all put people through hell and we made you, you know, stand up with your bow tie on and, and do all that. So you're going to do it too. I mean, a lot of it is that. I had to do it. You know, they beat me in, in boot camp. You know, they beat me in fraternity rush. I'm going to beat you, you know, and it's like, uh, um, I just, you know, I have, I wonder. I wonder sometimes, given what I've seen in the 30, almost 30 years since I took and passed the Virginia State Bar examination and got this gigantic plaque or whatever, you know, diploma. Virginia love, Virginia is almost like Texas. Like they, like their diplomas have to be bigger than everybody else's. And then it was a 20 years, you know, 20 years ago, I took the, and passed the North Carolina State Bar. And, 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 and this is not about me taking bar exams. And I, I, I'm obviously outing myself to a degree of my profession. I've done that earlier in the, in the podcast. When I started the podcast, I was very hesitant to even say what line of business I was in, but you know, now I'm a little more comfortable saying I'm a lawyer. I'm in the mid-Atlantic region. Um, it's probably not hard to figure out any of those things if you really wanted to. But um, so why am I talking about all this? Well, I'm talking about this because I was at a meeting here in Venice last week, and it was a great meeting. And we read me, an alcoholic, the amazing story in the big book. And I've read it before, I'm sure. <laughs> and I just, I felt like I was reading it. There's a song called It Feels Like for the First Time or um, or Seeing You for the First Time or something like that. Anyway, it was like, I felt like I was reading it for the first time. And it talked about this man who had all kinds of accolades and worldly success but his drinking ultimately increased and and took him down and I thought about that and I thought about that it wasn't until he he was I guess he was at rock bottom I'd have to get the story out when a doctor actually said you know I don't think I can help you I think you're an alcoholic And, you know, this story is so amazing and beautiful. And so I'm not going to say I was triggered or anything like that, but I was kind of triggered because I realized like, you know, and and, and y'all are going to see where I'm going with this, you know, I realized that addiction and Addiction and and alcoholism and soul sickness 
and mental health and mental impairment. You know, even I, to some degrees, I'll be like, you're a fucking drug addict. You know, fucking. You're a fucking alcoholic. Fucking. Shame on me. You know, shame on me to shame somebody or use it. You know, I wouldn't say you have fucking can- you're a fucking cancer survivor. You have fucking diabetes. And the diabetes is an interesting one. It's it's more akin, I think, in some ways to to the shame that alcoholism, you know, because you can it has the stigma of being something that you did to yourself. You know. Think about it. You know, you got men and women coming home from World War One. You know, Bill W., I don't know if he saw combat or not, but, you know, you just think about what was going on in the world in the early teens and 20s of this country and the 30s and the 40s. You've got massive carnage and world war going on. Hundreds of thousands of Americans dying. Millions of Europeans and Asian country, Asian uh, peoples, Chinese, uh, Thai, Filipino uh, Korean, you know, Indian, Burmese, you know, being slaughtered by evil empires and, and the, the Holocaust. The Holocaust. You think about human beings having to, having to be like, this is what we're doing to each other. This is what we're doing to each other. We've got all these technology and all these things and, 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 and the, and the grace of God and these things and we're, and we're mutilating and, 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 destroying cultures and people. Europeans, you know, the Einsatzgruppen and all that, going and killing Ukrainians and executing Jews. And it's like, what? And you you know, oh, well, were you shot in combat? You know, you had to see, you know, you think about what the English did to their own people who, who, who had uh, shell shock. We know now that they had traumatic brain injury, horrible traumatic brain injury. But it's like, oh, if you don't have your face blown off or if you're not missing a limb, you're not actually injured. And so it goes with Bill W. and those men and women who are coming back. And it's like, and then, oh, and by the way, let's let the bankers and the economy and the Dutch tulipers of the world Fuck the United States and the world economy on, on, on that little, you know, center of greed and crime known as Wall Street. You know, they did it. They did it in 2008. They did it to us in 1928. You know, let's fuck the earth by manipulating these markets. You know, let's put millions of people out on the streets in, and lose their homes, their jobs, their savings, everything. Let's commit world war. You know, so anyway, where am I going with this? So you got these people and it's like, you know, that kind of trauma, systemic, societal, individual, personal, humiliating, degrading trauma. And, you know, that trauma manifests itself in soul sickness and that soul sickness manifests itself in something, violence, self-harm, addiction, alcoholism. 
Cancer, I think, too. I'm sure people got cancer and got diseases and died from it because of the stress and the, and the, and the, and the, and the toxic world we lived in back then. And so, you know, so you get these guys who are like, we're alcoholics. And it's like, it's so shameful and stigmatizing that we have to be anonymous. We have to hide in, in, in basements and churches. We can't have an AA meeting in the center of St. Mark's Square in the Piazza, San, you know, San Marco. No, we got to be in a convent in a back. Now it's cool now, you know, everything's, you know, think about it. You know, Robert Downey Jr., yeah, man, you got some years and you're Iron Man and all that. You'd be like, I'm sober or Bradley Cooper, you know, I'm sober or something like that. But it's like, you know, we make movies about people who relapse and fucking drug addicts and fucking alcoholics and fucking obese people and fucking diabetics because you're so lazy and shiftless and shitty as a human being, you know. And then we go on our bar examination question. Have you ever been accused of having a drinking problem? You know, and you're like, I remember laughing when I saw that. I was like, no, of course not. You know, and I hadn't been. But it's like, if anybody knew, it's like, why, why isn't the question, have you ever been accused of being raped? No one would ever say it. Have you ever been accused of being in a car accident? Have you ever been accused of being the victim of child abuse? Have you ever been accused of having a traumatic brain injury, of being a combat injured veteran? Have you ever been accused of duck hunting? of doing any, of playing competitive soccer for years where you're, football, boxing, whatever, where your brain is getting rattled? Have you ever been accused of having postpartum depression? Have you ever been accused of having a chemical imbalance in your brain? You know, this kind of thing, accused. That's what I remember from that 100-page application was, have you ever been accused of this? And I thought, I know people who are considered the top jurists and lawyers in the region and elsewhere, who I have witnessed using illegal drugs, buying illegal drugs, consuming illegal drugs, blackout alcoholic behavior, adultery, sexual harassment, things like that. I've seen that. You know, I've seen inappropriate behavior. And it's like, does the state bar give a shit about any of that stuff? No. They just want, they don't want some dirty alcoholic or some dirty recovering drug addict being like, yeah, you know, actually I, um, you know, because back then it was like, you know, it's like, have you ever been to AA? You know, like, and so, so you think about that. You think about this, like me, alcoholic, you know, like no, you know, if, 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 if I have breast cancer, if I have, I don't know what the corollary for breast cancer for men is that, that people jump up and down and wear ribbons about and things like that. My mother's a breast cancer survivor. We've run races for her. We've done all this, you know, and it's great. Because nobody accuses you of having breast cancer. Nobody accuses you of having prostate cancer. Nobody accuses you, even though because it's, you know, prostate cancer is in our booties, I guess everybody wants to just be like, oh, let's not talk about that. And it, you know, has sexual dysfunction as a result. You know, so let's not talk about that. 
but that's the men's disease, right? You know? And think about lung cancer, you know? Oh, well, were you a smoker? That's the first question they ask. Did you smoke? Did you do it to yourself, you son of a bitch? And that's and that's what I, I just realized. I was like, you know, no one, no one ever until my brother Eamon, who y'all heard on this podcast, said to me, "I'm worried about you drinking." In his cool Idris Elba, super awesome black belt English black dude accent, <laughs> he said, "I'm worried about you drinking." That's the first time somebody said to me, like, "I think you, I think your drinking's an issue." And that was July 19th, 2015. I said, let's go to a meeting. We went and I haven't had a drink since. But, and I worked the program. But you got damn right I was an alcoholic a long time ago. I was probably an alcoholic. To be honest with you, I was born alcoholic. You know, I was born, you know. But let's go a little bit Gabor Mate here. You know, you think maybe my alcoholism started when my mother beat the shit out of me? You think my alcoholism started when my mother pointed at two homosexual men inside of Hojo's diner? I sat out there in the cold wind whipping around us, and it was dark, almost black-gray kind of skies. And she's got her arm, left arm wrapped around my brother, and her right hand is grabbing my head and then alternating between pointing around my neck, pointing at these guys, you know, and like, oh, so, so, almost so they can see us, you know. And she's pointing and humiliating and saying, you know, you better never be like that. I didn't know what the fuck she was talking about. All I knew is I don't know what it is. I don't want to be it. She said, I'll disown you. I'll disown you. You know, the same person who dressed me up like a fucking girl and excuse me to my ladies out there. And I'm not, I don't mean fucking girl, but I mean like you dress a boy up like a girl, you know, and then tell him, you know, that, that his, his, you're going to disown him if he's gay, you know, it creates a little bit, how do, how do we say, you know, a little bit of a conflict. Anyway, oh, I'm getting a little bit fired up. But my point being like, they don't ask you, did you ever get accused of being beaten as a child? Did you ever get accused of being threatened? Did you ever get accused of being hazed? Did you ever get punched in the face on a, on a playground? Might have rattled you a little bit. Might have created a hormonal imbalance in your brain and your pituitary glands and your adrenal glands. Those kind of things. You know, you ever be accused of not being a good employee and worried about not losing your job, about losing your job and not being able to come home and pay for your mortgage? You ever be accused of having rumors spread about you, you know, that, 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 that shook your foundation so much and made your little 18, 19 year old stomach hurt so bad and being shamed publicly by your sorority sisters or your fraternity brothers or your little group at college or high school or whatever it was? You ever get accused of of a of a of a of a of a, of a youth sports coach, you know, abusing you? You know, all those things that are at the root of our alcoholism that cause us to reach out to that bottle and pour it into the wound. And pour it into the wound. You get accused of that? We've gotten a little bit smarter over the last 30 years, and now we don't ask the question just like that, you know. They ask the question like, have you ever had a condition or an impairment that could have affected your ability to practice law ethically or something, you know? Because what, what they don't want is a drug addict who's stealing money from their clients. 
Or what about a gambling problem? Or what about if you got a disease? What if you got you got into a business deal and you and the transaction went south and now you don't know if you can make your mortgage? Do you know how many men have gone to jail or have lost their licenses as professionals because they were afraid to tell their wives I'm in trouble? You think about those guys, and I, I'm sure women is same thing. Probably, I, I don't know. I don't. I, again, I don't. I'm, I'm a man. I, I only know the stories that I hear and I've, I've lived. So don't be offended. Just understand. I can only talk about my experience, strength, and hope. But I know of men who go get on a train in Westchester, New York, or freaking Long Island or somewhere, and they ride into Wall Street and they sit on a bench, reading the paper or just feeding the. Chicken or the birds or whatever, <laughs> not chickens, <laughs> you know. And they sit there and they and they and they, and they, and they're so ashamed and they're dressed up in their Wall Street suit with their little flower in their lapel and lapel notch and and oh, and then they go into that bar, maybe that you know patio Mallies or whatever there in downtown and there there maybe it's the shitty bar god those bars in Penn Station gross a little fancier in Grand Central Station or wherever they go and they just you know it's like girl on a train man they just you know it's the third or fourth cocktail where maybe reality stops to stops for a second you ever been accused of being afraid you ever been accused of being ashamed? You ever been accused of being overweight? You ever been accused of being pre-diabetic? You ever been accused of not of, of having too much stress? So, so we know what those questions do. Those questions are like, hell no. Are you kidding me? Oh, man. Oh, but by the way, don't say like, I don't drink. Don't say I'm Mormon or don't say I'm Muslim or don't say I'm, you know, in AA or I'm in recovery for God's sakes because that's, oh, something's fucking wrong with you, crazy person. What we want is someone who gets fucked up in the bar with all the boys after the, after the CLE. You know, let me, let me digress. This is what's so interesting and I'll, I'll never forget it. The Virginia State Bar, obviously, they make you take the bar. They make you do all these things back in the day that were ridiculous, in my opinion. But and that's just my opinion. Um, you know, it was like you got to take the bar exam in Roanoke first of all. You got to take the bar exam in courtroom attire. So you're in Roanoke, or actually the Salem Civic Center, or whatever it is. It's a thousand degrees, and you have to take it in a coat and tie. This ridiculous exam that's every, I mean, you can, I'm not lying. These are my personal experiences. You walk in there into this Coliseum and you can hear in the bathroom people throwing up. They're so afraid. And you're just kind of like, fuck it. You know, it's just like one of those things like, you know, not me, not today. You know, I'm, 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 I'm the hunter, you know, but it's like, it sucks. Oh, and by the way, you're taking it in a coat and tie. You've got this silk thing wrapped around your neck to strangle you. And um, and here's the funny thing is you go, but, 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 but we want you to wear your Reebok aerobic shoes or whatever it is, you know, because um, we don't want you to scuff the floor of the basketball arena. 
So you've got these men and women walking in in these ridiculous suits and ties with tennis shoes on. And this is before tennis shoes were cool. So it's the, it's the stupidest shit I've ever seen. And, um, and you're going to take this exam with all these ridiculous questions on it that you'll never encounter in your life. And then you're going to take this multiple choice exam called the multi-state exam that is incredibly difficult for a jurisdiction that doesn't exist, you know, and it's like, okay, so that's part one. Then if you're lucky enough to pass, which only a certain percentage do, and we got to make sure we fail between 20 and 50% of you, um, you get summoned to go to this ethics. They, they didn't teach ethics or they didn't have an ethics exam or something. I don't know. But you had to go to this ethics, like two or three day ethics course. Again, back in Roanoke, like within a year or a year later or something. I don't remember. I just remember going. And I remember one of the speakers, the first thing he talked about was the, 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 the laughingly, the, the CLE that was going to be held in the bar afterwards and how drunk they had all gotten the night before. And I, you know, I was a drinker back then, but, you know, a big drinker still, you know, could crush it, you know, whatever. But, you know, I just remember the irony of it. Like, wait a second. This is, these are the same people who ask, have you been accused of having a drinking problem? Like, doesn't everyone in here have a fucking drinking problem? And if you're making jokes and talking about how fucked up you got at a professional event in a, you know, in a holiday inn atrium in fucking Roanoke, does that maybe suggest you have a drinking problem? And are we maybe kind of giving the wrong signals here to these young lawyers? Anyway, this wasn't supposed to be just about that. This is supposed to be about the notion that it's like, and this podcast is about soul sickness and its manifestations, trauma and its manifestations you know, I was hit in the face more times than I can count by a person who was supposed to protect me. I was hazed. I was bullied. All of those things Nobody ever asked me, were you accused of that? All I know is that decades later, you know, I'm waking up at 3.30 in the morning covered in sweat, crying, wondering why I'm not dead. They got drinks named after me at the local bar, you know, because I'm a regular. But... You know, I got money in the bank. I got the big house, you know, in the fancy neighborhood. I got the law, in untarnished law degree, untarnished law professor, you know, all that. Me? An alcoholic? So think about that, you know, and think about like yourself and think about your program and think, you know, it's like, there ain't nothing ashamed to be ashamed of. You're not weak. You're not poor. You're not broken. You're not broken. You're not bad. 
You know, you think about these men and women who who had a, 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 a let's let's take a combat veteran who turns to alcohol. No, let's take a combat veteran who turns to opiates because of his or her wounds. Do we accuse you of having a drug problem? Do we call you a fucking drug addict? No. How about somebody who who has genetics that they they carry a little more weight than you know the the fucking emaciated anorexic stick models on you know on on Cosmo? Do we accuse you know and, and maybe and or maybe they eat to to sate some sort of trauma or self-load whatever or cuz they like it whatever but it's like you know do we accuse you i accuse you of having bad genes no we are human beings we are a calculation a product at the end of the calculation of a lot of factors and and exponents and quotients and divisibles and multiples and all these things additions and subtraction that have led us to who our glorious selves who we are my name is gregory and i am an alcoholic If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the words serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly sometimes slowly, they will always materialize if we work for them. God, higher power, please help everyone who listens to this podcast and everyone that those people touch with the light from you, from your light, to understand they are not accused. They're loved. They're not broken. They're beautiful. Amen.